Okay, what is up, Summit Park Church? What's up? Guys, I want to say a special what's up to everybody who's here in the North Campus. Of course, those who are watching via the interwebs, maybe in your jammies, eating some leftover turkey, okay, or pie, that's okay. Welcome. And welcome to, of course, those who are watching at the South Side. Come on, everybody, let's give it up for everybody watching everywhere. We love you. We like clapping. We love clapping here. Isn't clapping fun? I'm going to give you some more opportunities to clap. You just wait. Okay, it's going to be great. Um, well, we are so glad to have each and every one of you here on this amazing Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe you're here visiting with some family members. Uh, maybe this isn't your home church or uh, they're at the South Campus. Man, we're just, we're excited to have you here. We're excited about Thanksgiving weekend because uh, it's an opportunity to spend some time with family, eat food, play games, really do what we do best here in America, which is overeat. And then eat some ice cream on top of pie. Okay, that's what, that's what we do. And isn't it, isn't it just like the most wonderful time of year? Isn't it? Like this, it started. The most wonderful time of year is here. It's the hap, hap, happiest season of all, right? Says, it says so in the song. So it's, it's so happy. And, and it's literally a season that is inherently happy. It's a season that is inherently happy joyful. So what's crazy to me is in this season that is so happy, in this season that is so inherently joy-filled, there is a ton of sadness at this time of year, isn't there? Have you, have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed that at this time of year, uh, it like sparks sadness for people? I, this, is, this is crazy. And if you've thought that, it's not just in your head because there is a disorder, and here's the title of it, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Sad. <laughs> literally, literally, it's sad. So wh whatever psychiatrist came up with this disorder, whoever coined it, they were like, see what I did there? <laughs> sad. <laughs> so literally, it's not in your head because here are some of the symptoms of Seasonal Affective Disorder. Feeling depressed most of the day, nearly every day, losing interest in activities you once enjoyed, experiencing changes in appetite or weight, having problems with sleep, feeling sluggish or agitated, having low energy, feeling hopeless or worthless. I think I felt worthless after that fourth turkey leg, <laughs> okay? Like, having difficulty concentrating, uh, having frequent thoughts of death or suicide, this is not the hap, hap, happiest season of all for people who are experiencing seasonal affective disorder. Here's what the National Institute of Health says. Research indicates that people with seasonal affective disorder, I'm going to have to reference that twice more, so I'll probably just use the, the acronym SAD. Is that okay with you? That's what I'm going to do. May have reduced activity of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which helps regulate mood. Sunlight controls the levels of molecules that help maintain normal serotonin levels, but in people with SAD, this regulation does not function properly, resulting in decreased serotonin levels in the winter. And this is crazy. Other findings suggest 
that people with SAD produce too much melatonin, so not enough serotonin, too much melatonin. And the result of that, and that's the hormone that's central for maintaining normal sleep-wake cycle, overproduction of melatonin can increase sleepiness. Anybody feeling sleepy and moody? Okay, right? You're like, this person is. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that in church. Some of us know somebody or we ourselves are feeling a little sleepy this time of year, right? Have you noticed that? As soon as the sun started going down at 3 p.m., right? Like that. This is unfortunate. You're like, okay, I'm home from work. I'm going to put the Christmas lights up today. It's happening today. You get home from work, you're like, cool, time for bed. That, that, like it's, it's what happens. And and so what our bodies do, the body is an amazing thing. What our bodies do is less sunlight, less vitamin D, let's kick in the serotonin, right? They regulate the levels. For people with seasonal affective disorder, it's all out of whack. They actually need that vitamin D, right? I think we all need a little bit of vitamin D, amen, don't we? Isn't it just from the Lord? So that, that's happening in people. But unless I've missed my guess, I think there are some more contributing factors Two, seasonal affective disorder, seasonal depression. I think family drama is a contributing factor, right? I think loneliness is certainly a factor. I think all of us who have first world probs, right? Like that, I think that certainly is a contributing factor when you're, you know, you're laying in bed and you, you plug your phone in and the charger stops working. So you have to like jingle it, right? And you're like, ah, why is my charger not working? first world problem, right? You're walking up, you're, you're riding the escalator, all of a sudden it stops, suddenly they become stairs, right? First world problems. So I think these all contribute to us having, having this seasonal affective disorder. We are affected by the season and we are affected by the situation. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he speaks directly to this, and he actually gives the answer. He gives the answer for this. He, he gives us the answer to finding more joy in Philippians chapter 4. So if you're taking notes today, and I really hope that you are, because note takers are history makers, okay? They're world changers. You actually get a hot tub in your house in heaven if you take notes in church. It's true. It's in the Bible, okay? Look it up, and then take notes about it. I'm kidding. It's not in the Bible, but here's the title. Finding joy in a sad world. Finding joy in a sad world. That's what I want to take the biggest portion of our time talking about today uh, because the reality is there's a lot of sadness in the world, right? I mean, don't, don't you know there is a lot of sadness in the world, but we can find our joy. And the, really the, the main idea, the main thought in Philippians 4 is this. A perspective that looks to Jesus always leads to joy. Perspective that looks to Jesus always leads to joy. So if you don't remember anything else, just like remember that and copy and paste that to every situation, you'll be good. But I wanted to read Philippians chapter 4. Buckle up because it's a big chapter, okay? So Paul just, he gives us a lot of stuff, a lot of content. We want to look at this. Philippians chapter 4, look at it in your Bible, maybe download the Bible app, even our Summit Park Church app, you can go to the Bible on there. But if you don't have any of those things, that's okay. We have a Sky Bible. Are you ready for this? Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 
through 13. Paul says, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. In the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Pause for a moment for the Greek theologians in the room. Anytime that you see something, repeat it. Okay? It's, It's said more than once. That is emphatic. It's an emphatic statement. He's using this for emphasis, saying you really need to pay attention to this. Then verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. Somebody say prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all. All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. At last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Hey, I'm not saying this because I am in need. I'm good. He's saying, I'm good. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then he finally wraps it up by saying, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Okay, so this passage is at the end of the book of Philippians. This is a letter written by Paul. And um, if you've ever, you might have heard Philippians be referenced as the happiest book in the Bible, okay? There's a lot of people who will reference Philippians with being inherently happy. But you know what's paradoxical about Philippians being the happiest book in the Bible? Is Paul was writing a letter to the church in Philippi from a Roman jail cell, okay? So it's kind of crazy, the fact that this would be the scenario. This would be the setting that Paul is really giving the most joy and giving the most reasons to be happy, and this is where he is. So Philippi, he, it's, he's got a soft spot in Paul's heart because it was the first Jesus-centered community that Paul started in Eastern Europe. And uh, it was a Roman colony, and so it was filled with a bunch of retired soldiers that were known for their patriotism and nationalism. And, uh, and so that's where they decided to, to plant a church first. So some people who were like super strong, you know, super strong-willed. And Paul actually, he encountered a ton of opposition in his time uh, when he preached Jesus to Philippi. And the church did there too, but they stuck it out. They stayed faithful. And so they really appreciated Paul and his leadership. So they actually sent him a gift while he was in prison. So I just want to say this. I've never been to prison, okay, which in my profession is probably a good thing, okay? And, uh, and I've, never, I've never been to prison, but I have visited people who are in prison. And 
as bad as they are, like, it's obviously still prison. There are people who are still locked up, and, and it's, a, it's a terrible place to go, right? Monopoly says so. It's bad that you'd never want to do that. But as bad as they are, I'm sure that they are nothing in comparison to what Paul would have been encountering while he was writing these letters. I mean, first and foremost, like when, when I went to the prison, you see a cleaning staff there, so they're keeping the buildings clean. They, they have TVs that they can watch there. Uh, they have vending machines and board games for, for visitations. Like, hey, like, it's still prison, but, but there are delicacies of the United States of America that we, that we see. This is not so, okay? This is not the case when Paul was in prison. First of all, a Roman imprisonment was, was led by being stripped and beaten before you were ever went into the cell. You were, you were stripped naked, then you were beat, and then you were put into your cell. It was a humiliating, a, a painful, a gruesome experience. Then, then he would have been thrown into a cell. Then they would have given him his clothes back, untreated wounds that he would have to put on his dirty clothes and sit in his dark, muggy, cold cell. And theologians tell us that he would have been shackled at his wrists or at his ankles, and he would have been standing or sitting in human waste because it was the, the central drainage area for, for Rome. And so in, 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 in Roman prisons, the, all of the waste would drain into the prison. So he's literally in a dark, isolated, cold cell that he had been left after he had been stripped and beaten. And these are the conditions that Paul is writing the happiest book of the Bible. These are the conditions. It was in the midst of this situation that he was able to say in that first verse of our passage, his final regards to the church in Philippi was this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Paul was able to live that statement out <laughs> even when he was in the worst of conditions, the worst of situations. He was able to have a supernatural perspective. He was able to find joy. So Paul actually gives us direction for when we might be experiencing the opposite of peace, the opposite of joy in this season. If you, might, if you might be walking through a seasonal affective disorder, a seasonal depression, or you're just walking through a situation that's robbing your joy, Paul gives us a roadmap into how to face these, how to find perspective, and how to find our joy in a sad, sad world. So what I want to do is I want to look at these uh, three things that we can learn from this passage. One is that we can find our joy through prayer and praise. Two, that we can find our joy through higher level thinking. And three, find our joy through the secret of contentment. So we're going to take a look at these ways to find joy. We can apply them to our lives. And I believe that uh, at the end of our time together, we'll actually have some tools to put in our belt so that we can seek out more joy in our lives. Does anybody want more joy in your life? Anybody in here? Of course you do. Okay. So if you're ready. To find more joy, look at three neighbors and say, I am. See what I did there? I am. Okay, first thing, find joy through prayer and praise. 
Find joy through prayer and praise. Look at this. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with, say it with me, thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying here is that we shouldn't worry about anything. But what he's talking about there, what he's, that, that word anxious in the Greek is actually merimneo, okay? And merimneo is the, the point of anxiety where you're torn to pieces. It's to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, to be porn, torn to pieces. So what Paul is saying is, hey, he's not telling us to not worry at all, to not be anxious at all, because anything we care about, we're going to worry a little, right? Like that's human nature, is to worry a little, to be anxious a little. That, that's going to happen. What Paul is saying is don't let yourself get to the point of anxiety that is tearing you to pieces because that's what the enemy wants for you. He says don't let that happen at all, but instead, because you have God, don't be torn to pieces, but pray to him, talk to him, and the result of that, the, the result of talking to God the result of bringing praise to him is God's going to give you peace. And he mentioned a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. So the, the Greek imagery here that he's using is as you pray, as you bring praise, God is literally sending his presence around you. It's, it's imagery as if an army is around you protecting you. So you can think about this. Whenever you're walking through a situation that's giving you worry, that's giving you anxiety, and you feel like, I'm, I'm almost to that point. I'm almost to the point of being torn to pieces because of my situation. He's saying, don't let yourself get there. Instead, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, before you ever see the result, right? You're not saying thanks because of the result, because of the provision. You are, by faith, and in faith, giving thanksgiving. And when that happens, when you and I do that, God is sending an army of protection around us. That way, when, when we walk, that army is walking with us. Whenever we have that conversation with a coworker, and you're like, ah, I'm big, torn to pieces on the inside. Pause. Pray. Invite God in. And he's going to send his presence. He's going to send an army around you to protect you, and he's going to guard your heart. And the presence of God is only found through praise. The thanksgiving he's talking about here, it's, it's an active gratitude. So you're, you're going to God and you're saying, I don't know why I should be thankful about this situation I'm walking through, but James, the brother of Jesus, tells me to consider it pure joy that I'm walking through this right now. So God, thank you. Thank you for providing Thank you for however I'm going to get stronger through this. Thank you for whatever you're going to teach me through this. I don't understand, but you're going to give me a peace, and that's going to protect me. Literally, my joy, I'm going to find it through prayer and through praise. We can find our joy by thanking God and by giving him prayer and praise. Second thing is we can find our joy through higher level thinking, okay? Find joy through higher level thinking. So when we're walking through these situations, Paul says you need to adjust what you're thinking about, okay? He says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable. He said, in this life, if there's anything that is excellent, this is not, you know, your opinion of excellence. This is inherently excellent. If there's anything that is inherently excellent or praiseworthy, there's anything that is worthy of your and my praise, think about that. What Paul is saying is that we need to be thinking on another level, right? We need, to, we need to have higher level, next level thinking. And when we think about these things that he listed, it, it develops kind of a bottom line. It develops kind of a true zero for us in our, in our thinking. When, when we're walking through life and, and we suddenly experience things that are outside of our control, they're outside of our comprehension, well, I'm going to go to God first, right? Invite his presence in. And then I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about God. I'm not going to think about the things that I can become so petty in. How many of you know we can get really petty? We can make a really big deal about things that are not that big of a deal. And it's only afterwards, when we think about it later, when we, when we compose ourselves, <laughs> right? They were like, that really wasn't that important. That was not important as I made it. That was not important as I let my emotions take me, right? I was getting torn to pieces over that. I was letting my anxiety, my worry take me to a place. I was letting my emotions take me there. He's saying, no, no, no. You know how you can avoid that? Think about, think about higher level things. He's like, hey, instead of, instead of thinking about your job that you're really upset about right now, that coworker, instead of thinking about you don't have the house that you want, instead of thinking about the Christmas presents that you can't put under the tree, and instead of thinking about those things, man, think about, think about what's noble. Think about what's pure. Think about what's excellent. Think about the fact that there is a God on the throne, and he's here for me and you. You know, the more you set yourself up to encounter the word of God, the more you'll think about him. And the more you'll think about him, you'll start to approach life like David did in Psalm 119, verse 15. He says, I will meditate. Somebody say meditate. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Do you know this? In order to meditate on something, you have to let a lot of it in your life, right? Meditation is like this, it's, it's kind of this passive thought. You're, you're meditating on it without even thinking about it. You, you are allowing your thoughts to go to a certain place, and in order to meditate on something, you are letting it in your life. You're actually feeding yourself that something. Can I just tell you this? Whatever you're allowing into your life, that's going to affect your day. Whatever you're allowing into your life, that's going to affect your thoughts. It's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your life. I'll just give an example. Have, uh, have any of you ever been watch, like binge-watching a show or a movie or a TV series, right? Like you, you spend, let's say, the better part of six and a half hours watching one show without getting up, right? Then, then you're like, okay, it's two in the morning. Let's go to bed. You go brush your teeth. What are you thinking about when you're brushing your teeth? What you just fed yourself for six and a half hours, right? You wake up the next day. What are you thinking about? You're like, 
man, I wonder how he's going to get out of that. <laughs> that was a cliffhanger. Can't wait for season four. You're, you're meditating on that show. <laughs> when, when you talk to one person over and over and over and over again, you start meditating on them, their day, how it's going with them, things that they're going to encounter. That's what we do. This is, this is human nature. We will be meditating on something. <laughs> and human nature, our hearts are prone to wonder. And, and, and we will wonder wherever we have taken the path to go. We're like digging a trench and we just fall into that trench and we just walk there because that's what we're feeding ourselves. So how can we then? How can we position ourselves? You're like, well, then how can I do this? It's not by forcing your thoughts. It's only going to be a byproduct of what you have fed yourself. So how can I think about the noble, right, pure, excellent, praiseworthy things? I'll I'll tell you how. Instead of watching the news in the morning, maybe pop on a Bible project video on YouTube. Instead of reading that fictional book that, that that you're reading before bed, pick up God's word. And instead of listening to that other radio station, Man, just play some worship music. Look for opportunities to feed yourself the best things. Give yourself an opportunity to think about these things. This is honestly, can I just tell you, this is why resources like Right Now Media, we, we tell you every, every week, you know, if, if you come here, we have a, a subscription that we want to give you as a gift. And it's got thousands of devotional content. I'm just telling you, if you binge watch Right Now Media, you just got closer to Jesus, right? You can binge guilt-free to Right Now Media. And that's, that's what we want to give you the opportunity to do. Why? Because we will binge watch something. We, we, we will. That's what we do. Give yourself an opportunity to think about the best things. Think about higher level things. Third, third way that we can find our joy is we can find joy by the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. So the Apostle Paul, he learned how to be content no matter what. Like literally, he could walk through anything in life and he could be content. Look at this. In verse 11 and 12, he said, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Everybody say secret of being content. Somebody whispered that. It was very timely and very appropriate. Secret. (laughs) The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul is saying, my contentment is not based on my circumstances. Have you, have you noticed this, like, human nature is to always be thinking of, if I just, like, well, hey, I know that this is where I'm at right now, but if I could just get to this level, this could be financially, this could be climbing the corporate ladder, this could, this could be even being a better husband or wife or mother or father or friend, you, We we do this in everything. The grass is always greener on the other side because we can always find a reason to complain, right? We we can always look at our life and be like, their life is better. They have more stuff. They have more friends. 
They have more followers. They have more clothes. They have more makeup. They're not that pretty. They have more makeup than me. There's always a reason to complain. But Paul is saying there's a secret here. Like, there's a secret to life. And he's learned it. And we know he's learned it because he actually, in another book, in, in a letter to the, the church in Corinth, he actually lets us in on what he's gone through. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23 through 28, he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. What this was is the, when, when you were sentenced with a, a really serious accusation, you could be sentenced to death by beating, or you could have 40 lashes minus one, meaning they're going to they're gonna give you 39 lashes. They're going to beat you to the point of death. Then they're going to send you back to your cell. He had that five different times. So he said, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Catch this. One night, I spent a night and day in the open sea. He went like Jack from Titanic, just like floating on a door, right? I've been more constantly on the move. I've, I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country and at sea, danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst for I've gone often without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I, have to, I have to think about all y'all who keep complaining about everything, right? Paul is saying, there's a secret to life, and I found it. Is Paul saying he's amazing? Is Paul saying that he has, has it all figured out and he's perfect? No, actually far from the truth. Far from that. Paul actually talks a lot about his weaknesses. Paul, Paul talks about a lot about how he's fallen short. But Paul has now learned the, season, the, the secret to this life. The secret to finding joy is contentment is not based on circumstances. Contentment, ultimately, is based on a solid relationship with the Lord. Paul's saying your circumstances will always lead you to complain. But Christ will always lead to contentment. I'll say that again. Your circumstances will always lead you to complain about something, but Christ will always lead to contentment. And this is what Paul was doing. Paul was flipping the script on human nature and really the human condition. Because if, if you were to talk about the negative outcomes... <laughs> If you were to talk about all that's happened to Paul, if you were to talk to him, like that's what the church in Philippi was doing. They're like, man, Paul's been through it. We should send him a gift to let him know like, get well soon. You know, shake your shackles free. We love you. Probably a cute little card that opened and sang to him, you know. We love you. Get well soon. Paul was saying, thank you. Thanks for being worried for me. And, and he was saying like, I think I'm going to get out of prison soon. But if I don't, he was flipping the script. He said, I'm good. I'm good. Have you ever met somebody like this where the, you can talk to them about their circumstances and, 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 and like as they're talking about it, you, you assume, you think that a negative comment's coming, but they like flip the script. 
they like give a little Jesus juke, you know, like that's, that's, that's what, that's, that's what we do sometimes. Like my mom, sweet Sheila always does this, right? Like she, she is the best at flipping a script and pointing it back to Jesus. Somebody like, you know, they get sick or they have a bad back. So they're out. When you talk to them about their, Hey, it's all good. Just more uninterrupted devotional time, more time with Jesus. Like for real? Like that? That's your honest opinion? Or you have like an upset customer service agent that you're talking to over the phone. That's okay. This is just an opportunity to share the joy of the Lord. You're like, for real? Okay. You, you know, you, t- you talk to them and they think they're getting a snow day. They think they're getting a day off work, but in fact, they, they have to go to work and things got messed up. They, there's no snow day. They say, I love my job. God provided a job for me so that I can provide for my family and so I could reach more people. When we, when we focus on Christ, when Christ is the center, what, what is that person doing? They're focusing on the higher level thinking, right? They're, they're going beyond their circumstances, and Christ is their focus, and that's leading to contentment. Paul, Paul was this guy. Remember, He's writing the letter back to the church in Philippi. Hey, I think I'm going to get out. Like, I do. I think I'm going to get out of prison. But if I don't, I'm good. Look at what he said at the very beginning of the chapter. Philippians 1, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So his life, literally, the life that Paul is living in in, in the present and in the future, it's defined by Christ. So if he's executed in jail, he's good. I'm good, because I'll be with Jesus. If he's released, which he's praying, and he he thinks that he will, cool. I mean, she just gets to go preach Jesus more. His life wasn't defined by being in prison. How many, how many times do we let our life be defined by what we can complain about, right? You wake up in the morning, you watch the news. They give you reasons to complain, right? You go to work, you get a new directive at work, reason to complain. You come home and like, you're like, man, I, my job is to do the dishes. Dishes aren't done. They've been sitting there for like two weeks, I'm going to complain now about the mold that is in our, in our sink because I didn't do it. You can let your, your life be defined by your circumstance. It's going to lead to complaining. Or you can let your life be defined by Christ, and then you can have this higher level thinking where Paul, he legitimately meant this too. Like He was like, hey, if I die in here, cool, I'm a Jesus. But if I'm not, the real sacrifice to him wasn't dying for Jesus the real sacrifice for him was living so that he could so that he could preach Jesus more that's what leads us to the last verse in this passage he says i can do all things through him who gives me strength see he's found the secret and the secret is jesus that's why he's saying i can do all things sometimes when people read that verse the really popular verse they think to themselves oh i can do all things right I can fly. I can, I, if I pray really hard enough, I can do all things through Christ. I can win the lottery. I can ask out that person who's 
way out of my league, right? Because I can do all. That's not the, that's not the point. Paul is saying, not, no, it's not, it's not the point that we can do anything. It's that you can endure anything and more with the help that comes from Christ. And when we understand that, when we understand that I can do all things through Christ, I can endure this life and more because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us. So the point, the reason that you and I have breath in our lungs is not so that we can be happy with our circumstances, but so that one more person can find Jesus. One more person can find the truth, the life, the hope in Jesus. Because why? Because our life isn't defined by what's happening to us. It's by what's already happened for us. It's Jesus. And when you live your life defined in Christ, nothing can steal your joy. But you will always be in a consistent state of finding your joy in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning at the North Campus, the South Campus, everybody watching online. And Father, we are thankful. We are thankful that in a world that is inherently wicked, in a world that is sin-cursed, it's filthy, Lord, you give us the opportunity to center our hearts, our minds, and our lives on you. Lord, it's when we do that that we can find our joy, and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. We're thankful for that. All across this room with, with heads bowed and eyes still closed, man, I just want to respond to this amazing truth. God wants to give you joy. You might be walking through a really difficult season. You might be walking through seasonal affective disorder. You, you might be walking through some really difficult circumstances in life. The enemy is trying to rob your joy. That's what he's here to do. He's here to steal, to kill, and destroy. But God has come so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. So I just wonder in here, if, if you're here at the North Campus, South Campus, watching online, you say, you know what? The enemy is trying to rob my joy, and I need God's help to find it. Whatever the situation might be, Whatever you might be facing, I'd like to pray with you. So if that's you in here, you say, Zach, the enemy's trying to rob my joy. I need some prayer. Would you just lift your hand up? All across this room, if you're watching online, South Campus, say, Zach, that's me. I need some prayer. The enemy's trying to rob my joy. I want to pray with you. God, I come before you in this moment, and I lift every single person who's, who's raising their hand up to you, Lord, knowing that you are the center of our joy. God, you are the source of our joy. And I pray in Jesus' name that what the enemy is using to steal, to kill, destroy, how the enemy is trying to rob joy, I pray, Father, that your joy would be their strength. Lord, I pray that they would find fulfillment. I pray that they would find true, lasting joy in you. I pray even in this moment, as we're praying, God, that they would sense you near that they would sense your presence, and God, that you would fill them with that peace, God.
that protection like an army. We're thankful for that, Lord. In your name, with heads bowed and and eyes still closed, I want to give another group of people an opportunity to respond. Say, Zach, you've been talking about this joy in the Lord. i got to be honest. When I walked into this room, I don't even know where I was necessarily at with God. I wasn't, certainly wasn't following God. Maybe at one point you had a relationship with him, or maybe you never have. I want to give you an opportunity to experience joy by having a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you in here, you say, Zach, man, I'm not right with God, but man, I want to be. Would you just raise your hand and look up at me long enough for me to see it, then you can put it down. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you. Say, Zach, that's me. Thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? Say, Zach, that's me. Man, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to experience this joy. Awesome. Can we do this all across this room? Can we stand to our feet? What I want to do is I want to pray for, for everybody who just raised your hand. And then I want us all, just for a moment, just to respond by the first way that we can find our joy. That's by prayer and by praise. Certainly, it's more than a song. It's, it's our lifestyle. But man, we can take a step in that direction today. So all across this room, would you lift your hands towards heaven? God, I come to you now, and I, and I thank you for every single person who made a decision to follow you today. Lord, I pray that they would find you, and God, that they would follow you. I pray, Lord, that you would be the source of their joy, not happiness. This life will not result in happiness, but God, you result in joy. So Lord, I pray a prayer of blessing over them and every single person in here. Lord, we will make a dedication to center our lives on you, and we'll find our joy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Here in just a moment, we're going to worship. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward now. Can we just celebrate everybody who made a decision to follow God today? As the prayer team comes forward, I want to invite you, if you raise a hand today and you said, Zach, that's me. I want to get closer to God. I, I want a relationship with Jesus. Or if you just have prayer for anything, we have a prayer team to come now. So we're going to respond and worship. You come forward and we'll, we'll worship together.